There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day. Welcome to the show. Osher Ginsberg here. Thanks for joining me. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday. Better Make It Quick, which is the Wednesday version of the show where Bree Steele, uh, our producer and researcher here, goes back in the archives and picks out an episode that she reckons, you know what, this deserves a re-listen. So here's a little chunk of it. Uh, episode 131, 2016, then the second year of the show. I'm going to introduce you now to a legend of the Australian uh, radio industry, Craig Bruce. Craig Bruce is a firsty first. You've got two first names. Uh, Craig spent nearly 30 years at Southern Cross Stereo, uh, which is one of the major radio companies in Australia. He was a content director. He was in talent acquisition. He mentored some of the biggest names in Australian radio. Craig now hosts the very successful podcast, Radio Game Changers. He's interviewed the most respected names in international radio. radio. He's, he's written a book on the same name. Craig had a really big role in my career. We worked together years before I ever had my first television job and Channel V. He's a man that lives and breathes radio. And I, I was interested to know, like, when did it start? When was the first time he turned on a mic? When, where was his first radio job? Port Augusta, um, This Is Tomorrow, Brian Ferry was my first song and um, it would have been 1980, December 1985, 86, December 1985. How old were you? So I was 18. 18. Yeah. Port Augusta is in that spiky bit of yeah, the yeah, Great yeah, Australian the Iron Triangle. There you go. Yeah. So it's, A lot of mining. Yeah, that's it. Wyler at one end and Port Piri and Port Augusta's at the top. So I was there for 12 months. Did you so, move out there for the gig? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so from where? I, yeah, from more well, from Adelaide. I, right. I, I was living, you know, living in Adelaide with my folks and working in a bank, and always wanted to be on the air. Um, always wanted to do radio. Got this job in Port Augusta. How did you send out a tape? Yep, sent out tapes to so Parks. What? Uh, what? Like, have you like on your? Well, well, I, okay, yeah. So I was I was going to um, Vaughan Harvey's School of Radio. Vaughan Harvey's this radio legend in South Australia. Passed away in the last couple of years, um, and he had this radio school, and you would go there. It was in an office in the city and you'd, you'd practice live reads, you'd do some, you know, practice back announces. But it, I, I, similar to this situation, I would be at home um, with a microphone, with my headphones. I'd, I'd take um, newspaper clippings and read them as commercials. I'd, I'd grab a bunch of songs and pretend I was back announcing them and I, I'd just sit in the lounge room practicing that kind of thing. Um, so I got a job offer at 
parks, two PK parks and one in Port Augusta. And I thought, okay, well, it's three hours up the road. I'll, I'll go there. So I was there for 12 months and then I, I, uh, and then I sent some tapes out, some air checks and, and got a reply from Lee Simon uh, at Eon FM. And my first day on the That's air... in Melbourne? Eon FM in yeah. Melbourne. And my first day on the air was Gavin Wood and Molly Meldrum's last day on Eon Breakfast. Wow. Um, so, yeah, because I'd, I'd done mid-dawns the night before, so I'm finishing at 10 to 6 and this smell of... Um, what's that Greek aftershave that they all wear? Aramis? Uh, is it something Oss? And in, in walks Gavin Wood with the shiny tracksuit pants and, and, and just... And Kings of Canter Kat- was still on air. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, walked in, I think he probably still had his sunglasses on and I'm and, um, just thinking, oh my God, oh, look at this. I mean, here I am. So anyway, so that was their last day on the radio and, and, uh, and then... And then, yeah, I had three or four years at Eon FM and moved on from there. Right. I'm just wondering, like, if we could put a finger... Could you point out anyone who's on air right now... Yes. ...that didn't... That that, How how do I put this? It's like, who got their job by not using station equipment and station tapes and station stationery to send all the tapes out. Oh, yeah, it just didn't happen. No? I mean, it's like, I'm just staying back like yeah, today. Yeah. Oh, I'm just doing a bit of, just just bit of prep. A bit of prep, yeah, a bit of practice. <laughs> oh, and, you know. Furiously it, dubbing. Absolutely. And, and you'd wait three weeks for a reply. Yeah. You'd send it off, fingers crossed. and you know, you I know, made my Channel V demo tape. I, I dubbed it on those SAFM VHS boardroom. No, did you? V- VHS machine in the boardroom. <laughs> I think I knew from the day you started. I thought, oh, this bloke's not long for a year. I mean, I, you know, we're good mates, but I knew you weren't going to be around for long. But anyway, so, um, yeah, no, that, well, that's how it worked. You kind yeah. of sent your tape out, hope for the best. Yeah. And uh, wait for a reply. I think I got a reply from Charlie Fox as well and one from Lee Simon. And, and uh, yeah, he was, Lee was amazing. He was such a great mentor. Well, I do remember that when I did start it in mid-dawns at, Hit one B one five. I'm I just so in condition. Yeah, I do that, of course. Give me a B. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, Old habits. I uh, yeah. My dog is the dog from the cartoon <laughs> with a slipper. That's what's happening right now. Um, I remember when I started there. You told me I've, I've quoted you saying this on this show. <laughs> oh God. I've quoted you saying this on this show twenty times. Yep. All right. And I think I was taking over from you on a weekend or something. Uh, which is so basically, this is in the, this is the old times. <clears throat> I walk in with a stack of CDs for a six-hour shift, which is about <laughs> two and a half feet high, or less, or more, or brought them in two chunks, and I put them on the <laughs> counter, and I put all my prep down, all my notes and everything, and you're just kind of wrapping up your last break, and then you you uh, hit the top of the hour ad break, and you turned to me and you said, "Just remember, if your heart doesn't race every time you're about to turn the microphone button on." get out of the chair and let someone else in there. Wow. Did I say that? You said I? that. It's quite profound, isn't you it? You said that to me. Yeah. And I was like 96 or 97, oh, okay. I think wow. you told me that. And I have never, ever forgotten wow. that. And I, it has been the benchmark. That's why I left Channel V. Oh, really? Yeah. I left Channel yeah. V because I'm like, someone like else right. deserves yeah. to be here. Yeah. Because I don't love this enough. Mm. I don't love this enough to stay. And it's, a, it's not fair that I take their money because someone who will whose heart will burst if they don't get this job yeah. should be doing this. Not yeah, me. it feels that way from an on-air perspective that you've got to... And you know when it's done with on-air, particularly with music shifts. I mean, it's, you know, breakfast is a different beast altogether, but you know when you're done with breakfast, with music, you kind of just... If you're turning up and, you know, the feet are on the desk, three songs in and you're counting down the hours and it's just a waste of everyone's time. 
And, and, you know, music radio then was different to music radio now. Not harder or easier, but it just was... I mean, you were more at the centre of it, I think, yeah. in different ways. But, um, yeah, it was... I mean, you know, it always struck me as being the greatest job of all time. Even when I was a, a lazy and, a, and a, just a dumb 20-year-old kind of you know, doing what I could to cut corners. I, I still appreciated the fact that it was a, an amazing, an amazing job. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was always that buzz of being in the studio and, and I mean, B105 was an incredible station when you think about it. You know, Jamie Dunn, Jamie, Dunn, Jamie Angel, um, you know, Rex Morris, Paul Davies, you know, David Reimer. I mean, just so many good people went through that place. It's just extraordinary. Carl Sanderlands, uh, yeah. Brian Ford, Brad yeah. March really set it up. It yeah. was an unbelievable place. And um, you felt it the moment you walked in. Radio is fairly renowned for being a ruthless industry. At the drop of a hat, you can be expected to uproot your whole life, move to another city, or without warning, lose your job. And Craig has experienced this firsthand. My first wife and I had a baby uh, on March the 1st, 1993, uh, and he was born with Down syndrome. And we, we weren't married at the time. I was 25 and she was 26. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd been struggling leading up to that. Uh, and um, so we, um, we had him adopted and... Um, and then about a month afterwards, um, the, they, they called me into the station and said, look, you know, the, the anchor thing's not working, um, send you back to Brisbane. So um, I stay in touch, Jake, his name is Jake Thomas, brilliant kid, amazing. Oh, no, he's not a kid, he's 23 now. He's awesome and he's got a beautiful family and he's got the family tree on his wall and there's myself and Melinda and, you know, keeps in contact with all of his sisters and those sorts of things. And um, so in 1994, when I came back to Brisbane, that, that would have, I wasn't in a great headspace, I don't think, at that point, trying to get my head around what we'd done. And we'd, in hindsight, and it's always easy to look back in hindsight, we'd absolutely done the right thing for him because he's had this beautiful, amazing life and we just were nowhere near ready for, um, for all of the, the challenges that come with, um, with, with, you know, giving people like Jake what they need so um yeah that that's that's 1994 I was I was my head I had, been I had spinning at a million miles absolutely now. no idea yeah yeah so um and look you know I had a few years where <clears throat> quite a few years where I didn't see him I'm really good at compartmentalizing my life anything that I don't either can't deal with or don't want to deal with I'll put it in a really neat box and <laughs> bow it up and and uh and it would have been a few years and, and my youngest, sorry, my middle daughter, Meg, I guess it must have been seven or eight years ago, um, asked about Jake and, and said, you know, when can we, you know, let's, let's go and meet him and see him. And we organised a, a catch up and, you know, thankfully his family were just always open to being ready for me dealing with, you know, my own issues with it. And... Um, you know, since then it's been fantastic. Yeah. Even before that, it was you know he he's always been uh, you know an amazingly well um, uh, supported um, person. But 
but you know we folded back in and thankfully they allowed us back in and we um, you know he's just an amazing kid you know dances sings he's coming over for my daughter's 21st in a couple of weeks from now and you know you just know he's going to hog the, the dance floor with his Michael Jackson moves and whatever and we were back there for his 21st a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago now um, but yeah it was um, so that was a really really tough time because li- I reckon it was even less than a month after Jesus. Jake was born um, I, I, I got the boot out of the show and and you know rightly so they, they had a, it was a comedy show they didn't need an anchor and they kind of moved forward but yeah it was an interesting time can you are you are you okay to talk about the what it was to like to lead up to that decision because I've never met someone who's well, faced that yeah it's a um, it was we had um, uh, we had no idea you know it's a one in uh, it's not a one did in you know million. you were pregnant <laughs> we we uh, we didn't have to do any tests because, you know, Melinda was 26 and they don't do any of those sorts of tests leading up to, um, uh, you know, the, the, the birth. You're talking a screening screening test. Screening for Down syndrome and those yeah. sorts of things. So Jake was born um, and we had, when he was born, one of the doctors said, just a little bit worried about the... Um, uh, the shape of his eyes, or I can't remember the exact wording, but I mean, I wasn't really, didn't really, it didn't register as being anything other than, oh, okay. Uh, and we, I remember, yeah, they, they walked in the next day and did a few tests and moved his arms and moved his, checked his neck and did a few things and, you know, just looked at us in the face and said, yeah, he's got Down syndrome. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Um, Did you know what that meant? Well, we didn't. We didn't at that point. So we kind of oscillated between, "Wow, come on, let's do it," and 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 oh, this is going to be really hard. And the the hospital said, "Why don't you? There's a there's a you know there's a couple of families that have gone through this recently, and would you like to meet them and meet meet their their oh, children?" And so they brought them in, and we just uh, you know we just thought, "Shit, this is I don't know whether we can do this." So it was really. Um, you know, it took us all of a, a, a fair period of time to make a decision and, um, you know, you never feel very good at all about, obviously, about making the decision. But as I said, we were, we were lucky and Jake was lucky that he he, um, he ended up with an amazing family. He's got a, a sister who has Down syndrome, but a really large family. They live out at Gembrook in um, the Melbourne suburbs. Older and, sister? Uh, he, she is older, yes. Yeah. Tanya is a couple of years older than him and then, and then he's got a bunch of older brothers and sisters and, you know, he's just the centre of their world uh, and uh, you know you knew me at 25, 26 I was too selfish and self-absorbed and wow. just not ready for any of that and I could have done it you know in hindsight I probably could have we probably both could have I'm not sure that you know we didn't as a couple we didn't last much longer than that uh, I don't you know, know how we, a couple well we could. sort of yeah we did after about a year or so we, we actually had a child and then uh, but you know it was it was always going to be a bit of a struggle and, and look anyone in their 20s you know what you were like in your 20s and what you like now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, we, um, it was just one of those things that you kind of have to go through. And That's going to knock you around some, though. Yeah, it did. As I said, you kind of deal with it and I dealt with it and then I had to, and in a lot of ways, you know, moving back to Brisbane and back to people that I knew and doing a job that I was comfortable with was, was yeah. um, better for me than being in Melbourne around around um around it once craig got into content and making the decisions he became known pretty quickly for i guess talent acquisition finding new talent and developing new talent on air if you know someone who wants to work in the radio industry but this the stuff he's got to say does apply to to anyone that wants to pursue something that they're they're really passionate about 
What you're about to hear from Craig is absolutely priceless. We'll get to that on the other side of this break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we're speaking with Craig Bruce, a legend of the Australian radio industry, a kingmaker, if you will. And I wanted to know when he and I spoke back in 2016, when he meets new talent, young people who want to pursue a career in radio, what does he look for? Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, at the heart of it, and the, this podcast series that I'm doing at the moment, um, you know, when you sit down with people and, and they have a... I mean, the thing that I love about it, the thing that I love about really good talent is that I couldn't possibly do what they do. So it, it comes from total uh, 100% respect. I think, you know, I listen to a Chrissy Swan or an Eddie Maguire or a Mick Malloy and go, oh, wow, how does that... They just... So I'm, I'm actually, and I think I've always had it as a young kid. I listened to the radio, and I, I, you know, I'm a bit stumbly and bumbly, and I'd like to be better, but I'm just not quite at that level, uh, and nowhere near that level. So I'm, it's, it's, I'm in awe of people that can do it, and um, I think I'm, I just listen for that ability to be able to construct um, a turn of phrase, a story in an effortless way. Mm. Um, it's interesting, Chrissy. On, uh, when we spoke to her on Game Changers, um, she said, look, I, I was always interested in advertising. Um, I wanted to work in an advertising agency. Now, nine times out of ten, most performers would say, the next point would be, I, I, I was interested in advertising because I like writing. Chrissy said, without even thinking, I was interested in advertising because I grew up watching Bewitched. And I loved the way, and Darren worked in an advertising agency, and I loved the way his boss always used to give him shit when, you know, he, every idea was a bad idea. And it just, and I'm going, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. So it's the turn of, fr- the response, the end result is the same, but it's the response. Yeah. And, and it's it's the creation of that uh, of that idea that then just go oh, okay that's now I'm totally into this story versus you know the easy way out is just to go now she hasn't deliberately gone how do I it just flowed naturally it just it's a part of yeah. who she is and I, I think um, good programming as in can I help you get better at what you do is absolutely overrated <laughs> no question you, if you can if you're a great storyteller you're a great storyteller. You know, and you would have seen with James Brayshaw up close, James had no idea he was a good storyteller. He had to be, you know, reminded and put front and centre and encouraged. But we didn't help him get better at storytelling. We just we just shone a light on it when he did it well. Yeah. And, and reinforced it when he did it well. So the best thing that I do, I think, the best skill that I bring and the, and the best um, contribution I can make to anyone's 
um, career is just trying to identify the things they do well. That, that's what I do. That's what I like doing. That's how I respond best. You know, when Jeff Alice said to me in 1998, I think you can be a programmer and I'm going to support you and help you get there. Uh, it was it was the turning point for me in my life and it's the thing that I love doing most. So when I see you come to Adelaide in 1999 and stay for three months and go on and do all of these amazing things, I just, I go, wow, that's awesome, you know. It's like, <laughs> fucking yes. And, you know, when I see an Adrian Bryan, and I know you had a couple of months with Adrian, I mean, Adrian Bryan's story is extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, he's a kid, he's not a kid anymore, he's a grown man with, um, you know, and he's going to be an incredible he is already a very good content director on the way to being great. Um, he's a kid, this skinny kid with, you know, curly hair, looked like Beaker out of the bloody uh, um, Muppet, show. Muppet Show, and comes into SAFM from Wyala. I think Alexis had brought him down, did some panelling, just this quiet kid that didn't really know what he wanted, and we put him on late nights... And, and he asked for an air check and I would give him one and then the next day you'd hear him on the air and go, wow, he, he, he's doing exactly what I asked him to do and he would get better and better and better and better. And, and he has designed a life and a career for himself and every time you put him into a scenario where he, uh, um, he, he needs to step up, um, he, he's found a way. And that to me is... And I know it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but that's the stuff, that's the only stuff that matters for me. I just love seeing that. So, you know, whether it's on air or off air, I, I, that, that's the thing that, that I, you know, I'll, that's the thing that really drives me. Who's the on air talent that you feel most proud of? I'm talking career arc, who nobody knew, and then you went, oh, this woman, this man. Um, wow, <laughs> that's such a great question. Uh, do, 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 do. Well, give me some. I don't want you to single anybody out there. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I think there would be, I mean, I, well, I, M. Rusciano, M. Rusciano would be in, in someone that, um, I heard her on Nova Adelaide when she came out of Idol. Mm. Uh, and I said, this girl's definitely got something. And we sent her to Perth. And, and look, she struggled in breakfast. She needs her own um, platform and she needs to be doing things her way. And that's her style. But I, I knew from the moment I heard her that she was extraordinary. Um, Jules Lund. I mean, Jules Lund would be the one where I think where I, I met him and just knew there was an X factor. And Jules has had some terrific success on, on radio and, and then obviously Two Day didn't work out. But, but in terms of a career and as a, 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 as a person... I looked at him and thought, wow, this guy's just got so much. Um, uh, so he, he would be, he'd be up there. I mean, I'd put you into that same list. I, I mean, I don't try. I, and, you know, I made a huge mistake and probably end up in a headline somewhere. One of the worst things I did was, um, you know, I was around the Fox when Hamish and Andy started and, and I was involved in air checks and certainly helped Hamish in the early stages. But to my great regret, um, I... I claimed more than I should have with them. I just was stupid with it, really. More, I, I did it out of... Well, I did it because I was, you know, it was pride and all of those sorts of things that aren't really useful. But, um, yeah, I took credit where credit wasn't due. Um, uh, and so I'm really mindful of... My, my personal view is that uh, anyone that has any degree of success... I think is going to get there anyway. 
And sometimes they need a little bit of a push. And if, if I'm that person, fantastic. I, I don't think I've taken anyone and turned them into something that they weren't already going to be. I think I may have just been a supporter, you know? Like, you, we, you know, we still talk 17, 18 years down the track and you can always call me. And, you know, whether you're on the air or whether you're not working with us or whether you're doing TV and, you know, I can do the same with lots of people. And that, to me, is more... I, I don't know. There's a point where technique <coughs> is at a level where I can't help you anymore. You know, you're on your, you're on your way, and, and that, that's how I sort of see it. If you're curious to hear about how your favourite radio presenters came to be where they are, Craig's got a podcast that's called Radio Game Changers. It's a great listen, cracking listen, and there's a lot of advice in there, no matter even if you never want to go near radio. Sometimes a familiar voice telling you a message people you already know have told you already, sometimes it cuts through, and it's pretty useful stuff. And Craig's a great bloke. If you want to hear that full conversation, it's awesome. Uh, you can go back to episode 131 of the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks so much to Bree Steele, who produced this episode, Andy Ma on post-production, Toe Hider on the music. Follow him now, Toe Hider, wherever you follow people. He's on Twitch. He's great. And, of course, Rachel Barrett, who makes all of the everything happen. She's the executive producer. She's part of the management team, and she currently is wrangling beautiful birds in her backyard. Yeah, she has a king parrot, I believe, who's called Frank. But we'll get to that later. Thanks for being a part of it. I'll see you Friday. Friday.